It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to this episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator and host of this award-winning show, and it's my aim in every episode to help you find ways to improve your e-commerce business. And today is no exception to that. Today I'm talking with a retail industry specialist who's globally recognized as really knowing and understanding how trends and consumer behavior are going to affect the future of retail. And we're talking about how all these consumer behavior changes we've seen this year, what they mean, what's happened, what's what's likely to stick, what's likely to change, and also about what's likely to happen in the near future going into 2021. And how, knowing all of this, you can keep your retail business going and how you can really thrive and survive. Um, and we're doing this because um, of a report that my guest has been involved with called How Will Shop Winners and Losers, which in my opinion, is a must read for anyone in retail, D2C or e-commerce who's planning their 2021 strategies and beyond, who wants to get a better idea of how consumers and retail, by retail I mean on and offline, are being impacted by the pandemic, the lockdowns, the furloughs, all the strange situations we're going through at the moment. Um, and what I will also say is that I would suggest you you re, you listen rather to this podcast because you can't read a podcast. Listen to this podcast and then also go and get your hands on that report and then you'll get the stats, the data and lots of great insight for how to how to shape your business going into next year. Um, you can find the report and the notes for the show on our show notes page. So head to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast and click on the link to this show. And there you'll find the link through to the report and and everything else we talk about today. Okay, so quick little health warning though. Both me and my guest do have British accents, but we are very much aware that everything we're talking about is stuff which is going on globally, not just in the UK. And the report we're mentioning is based on US data. So wherever you are in the world, stay tuned because these lessons are ones that are happening everywhere. Right, before we get into that though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Smart Freight can help you save time and money. Smart shipping parcels and pallets through Smart Freight's carrier management platform allows you to consolidate your outbound logistics onto one platform. With over 650 carriers worldwide, Smart Freight has you covered by ensuring you are always going via the cheapest, fastest or greenest eco-friendly option. Visit smartfreight.com to book a demo today. 
And now to introduce today's guest expert. Andrew Busby is the CEO of Retail Reflections. Once upon a time, he was a retailer himself, but for most of the last decade, he's been helping retailers to understand where the opportunities and threats that they need to adapt for lie. Now, that includes being a contributor to Forbes, being on the advisory boards of multiple events and magazines, and holding the position of IBM social commerce futurist for over four years. As well as speaking at many events and writing for many top publications, Andrew's been named a top 20 global retail influencer, which puts my top 50 UK e-commerce influencer status quite firmly in the shade. So we are very honoured to have Andrew giving up his time to be on the show today. And quite frankly, who better could we be speaking to about what the future holds for retail? Hello, Andrew. Hello, Chloe. That's very kind of you. Uh, Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you here and talking about something which I think, you know, the crystal ball is a is very cloudy at the moment for most of us. So for someone like you who's got a, a lot more clarity on their crystal ball than we have when it comes to retail, I think this is going to be a going to be a fascinating episode for everyone. Um but before we get into that, how did you how did you become addicted to this wonderful world of retail? How did you get involved with it all? Um, yeah, before I get into that, yeah, I think yeah, my crystal ball is probably just as opaque as everyone else's at, at the moment. But maybe I can see through it a, a little <laughs> bit and offer some um, some suggestions and uh, and so forth. I got into retail uh, just over twenty years ago. I uh, I had spent the best part of twenty years in various IT positions with Barclays, and then I completely flipped and I went uh, sectors, that is, and I uh, went into retail and I joined Kingfisher, and specifically I joined um, Superdrug. And for those listeners who are old enough to remember uh, in those days, so this was going back to 1999, uh, Kingfisher comprised the likes of Superdrug, Woolies, Comet, Entertainment UK, and obviously B and Q, so a very different beast to uh, what we what we know today. So I, I joined and and um, had a great time there, and that really got me um, into retail. And I think for a lot of people, um, retail and certainly working in retail is a little bit marmite, and you do either love it or you know you you just not you just don't take to it. And uh, I loved it, and I still do to this day. Um, so that got me into it, and. Um, Superdrug was a great, uh, and still is, a, a great business, I think, to learn. It was a, just a brilliant size because, of course, in those days, it was all bricks and, and clicks. Now there's uh, obviously a strong e-commerce arm to it, and, and I was actually involved in the early days of, of setting that up. Um, but it meant that even though uh, I was running the, the IT services and operations there, it got me um, – in contact with all the different departments. And I still remember, again, for us um, grey-haired oldies, uh, I can remember year 2000 um, and the world was going to was going to come to an end, probably a bit like a combination of Brexit and COVID. Uh, you know, we will get through it, by the way, people, uh, although it seems pretty difficult at the moment. Um, but I remember um, I was chairing uh, an exec um, board of representatives from all across the business. And it was just fascinating. It was such a great learning uh, for me to, 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 to learn about how a retail business operates. And I still fall, fall back on, onto that. So that was the experience that got me in and I've stayed within retail um, ever since. And these days, you you're, you kind of scan what's going on to help us work out what we're supposed to do, as I said in the intro. So 
of all the things and all the consumer trends that have changed this year, which ones do you think are going to stick? Are we going to continue living like this or are, are things going to go back to normal in inverted commas? <laughs> yeah, the new normal. Gosh, how I'd loathe that phrase. I probably loathe it as much as um, things like uh, frictionless and omnichannel. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that's me just getting old and grumpy and, and whatever. Um, yeah, so what is going to – and I think actually that's a really interesting question because one of the things that um, I tried to to say in some of my comments uh, in, in the Bright Pearl report was that one of the tricks, I think, for, for retailers now is to try to understand what of our new behaviour is embedded uh, and what is more ephemeral and will will dissipate as we come out of the other side of this whenever we do, which and I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. I mean, uh, uh, you know, psychologists will tell us that um, new behavior, it takes 66 days for new behavior to become embedded. And obviously, we've had a lot more than 66 days of this to enjoy. So I think that one of the things specifically is that uh, there's been clearly a lot of people who have discovered the joys of online e-commerce shopping. Uh, and by that, I mean the ease and convenience primarily. Uh, and so how much of that new spend will remain? Now, the last time I looked and looking at the ONS figures, and of course, this does vary depending on what you look at, but I think it was as a percentage, including grocery, I think a percentage of total sales now is something like round about 30%. Now, before this, so I'm going back to obviously to uh, mid-March, it was slowly increasing, but was still around about the 20% mark. So that's quite a huge increase when, when you look at uh, uh, the growth over the, over the years. Uh, and then, of course, the question is, where is that going to plateau out? Is it going to be at the current level? No. Uh, it's certainly going to be higher. Um, I've talked to people in the industry who believe that it could be as much as 50. So half of all our spending will be online. Um, now, yeah, if that comes to pass, uh, although I would say, however, and, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of the of people who are listening to this and say, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. What about sales attribution? How on earth do you, can you really know? Because now, of course, the, the customer journey, if it was complex before, it's mega, hyper, well, call it what you like, complex now. So in other words, what I mean by that, which I, I'd imagine that a lot of people listening to this have already gathered, but you know, let's just uh, say that you, you want a new television. So that's a big ticket item. It could be £500 plus. You go online, you do your research, you go into store, you have a look, you're not sure. It's a lot of money to spend. Uh, you go back, you might think, oh, I'm going to use this, this new buy now, pay later. So I'll research that. You go back into store, you have a look. They try to sell you all the add-ons because we know that's where the margin is. Uh, you go back, you go online. You know, and, it, and so in other words, the, the, the point is that the journey is very complex. So how, how do you really understand the impact of, of online and its relationship with stores. So we know that there are um, an awful lot of retailers who uh, believe that they have too much space. And to an extent, that's probably true. So they're closing stores without, I think, really understanding the relationship between their stores and their online e-commerce presence. So I think this is something that is still playing out. And I think that um, related to it, um, the majority of retailers are still measuring the wrong things. 
So they're measuring sales per square foot as a key driver of the business. Well, I would suggest that it should be more, um, how is my customer feeling? What is my customer sentiment? Uh, and perhaps we'll, we'll return to uh, to that later, because um, that gives them a better insight. And particularly now, when we're all behaving slightly differently, we're all anxious to varying degrees. And I think that applies to every single one of us, me included. I, I, you know, and, and probably we, particularly us men, we try to nah, no, you know, we're we're not like that. We're <laughs> we're tough. You know, we can. Well, no, this is something none of us have has ever. Uh, experienced before, and and it's so uncertain, and it's so uncertain for the foreseeable future. We can't, you know, there's no end in sight to this, and I think that's probably key to this. That you know, if we, if if somebody said, look, this is all going to be over by January the thirty first next year, for example, and you're all going to be able to return to what it was like, like you know before. Well, okay, that that would be a slightly different um, scenario. We're going to behave quite differently. If we knew that, we knew 100% if you do this, you're not going to catch it. Or if you do that, you will catch it. And if we had, it's all going to end on the 31st of January. So you've only got to put up with this for another three or, you know, two, three months. We behave so differently than if we think we're going to have to do this for several years. I find it quite fascinating how even when, you know, looking here in the UK, even when lockdown the original lockdown officially kind of ended and we went into the world of social distancing. People continued to buy heavily online. And it does like like you're saying about those 66 days, it very much seems like there's a huge number of people who are going to continue spending that money online and then using the physical retail world for a for like we've been talking about for several years, but you know, kind of this acceleration of the trend, the experiential side of things. So I guess is why you're saying don't shut the stores, use your space more wisely. And that was like, you know, a number of the trends. I mean, I, I was one of those, you know, who I'm one of those who every year come uh, end of December, early January, use that, that dead period in between Christmas and New Year to uh, write a number of blogs with my predictions and, and so forth for the year to come. And, and uh, this time it was the decade to come. And so there were lots of trends and that was one of them. You know, using your space uh, in, a, in a different way, in a better way um, that, that was there. Clearly, there were trends which none of us could have envisaged, such as working from home. Uh, I think we predicted an increase in online, but not to the extent that we've seen um, for reasons that we know. So, um, yeah, we we didn't realise back then that the world was about to change um, around us fundamentally. Um, But retail is, almost by definition, it's a pretty hardy beast. Now, it's got to go through a period of far more um, uh, uh, change than it ever has. And uh, going back to the Bright Pearl report, we know that sadly, well, sadly, there'll be losers. Um, And and the sad part about that, by the way, for me, is always the jobs that are lost. Um, Usually, it's not so sad about the particular business uh, itself, because um, if we go back and look at the, the failed retail businesses, um, which I know we're not here to do today, but, but just as a point, generally there's a reason for it. 
if you're giving the customer what they want, then the business will survive. And often the, you know, the my retail career started off at Pastimes, the historical gift retailer on the high street, which went under for the second or third time when I was there and then continued through a series of kind of a slow, painful death over the best part of a decade before uh, I think it became a brand in WH Smith's in the end. And what what has always struck me about that that business is that if you if you really analyze why it why it ended it was because it started chasing the cash rather than giving the customer what they wanted it went from this kind of beautiful historical take on gift giving and homewares into this chase the money chase the money chase the money and it, it's kind of like a death by a, by a million cuts <laughs> you know all these tiny decisions so yeah i think it is it's the jobs that we have to be be um be be worried for but actually, if a retailer goes, it's because the customers, quite frankly, don't want you anymore, which creates opportunities for other people. That's a really interesting point, you know, chasing the cash, because I, I've, again, one of the things that I've uh, held for, for some time now is that that's part of the, the problem. And, and for some of the retailers, um, that's the number one, the sales first approach. And... Um, you know, I think that what they need to do is to pivot. It's very, very, very difficult to do. I, I do get that. But that sales come as a result of a great experience. Now, obviously, not in all sectors within retail, uh, perhaps. But I do believe that uh, generally that holds true. And and I think that's one of the things that uh, will be a byproduct of um, you know this whole pandemic that we, we find ourselves in. So if you were, let's, let's look to 2021 because it's November when this episode goes out. So the chances that anyone can make a big difference before the end of the year are quite slight. So so looking to 2021, if you were in charge of a, let's go for a bricks and clicks retailer, some with physical and the online presence, good or bad online presence, what would be on your core to-do list that you wanted to get happening in the beginning part of 2021 to future-proof? Well, first of all, uh, you know, for years, usually it was the technology vendors were pushing this, but they were always saying, oh, you have to transform your business. You have to digitize your business. Well, yeah, that's now come to pass. Uh, and when we've seen so many who don't quite, they say, oh, yes, well, so we're going to appoint a digital officer and we're going to have digital czars throughout the business and so on and so forth. I've got one in mind, I won't name there, but and that's simply not the way to do it. You've got to have it running as a DNA throughout uh, your, your business. And kind of then hand in hand with that is that you have to be particularly, you know, um, you know when, when you do have, uh, an e-commerce uh, presence, because who knows uh, what's uh, going to happen? Are we going to have another national lockdown and uh, so-called non-essential retailers will have to close again? I guess anything is, you know, it's all open, up for grabs. So you need to go where your customers are. So there were, I mean, I, I've spoken to a number of people who are, um, deal quite, uh, are involved quite closely with independent retailers, and I've seen some st uh, stats which are quite um, alarming um, that in the uh, lockdown, which included non-essential retail, virtually all the um, independent retailers, and there'll be some I know who'll be you know, probably uh, shouting at, <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> saying, no, no, we were, we were, we were. Uh, but uh, the, the data suggests that most independent retailers just stopped engaging with their customers. 
so their social media was zero. Uh, or very crazy. close to it. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, because they're, they're um, and okay, some of these could have been um, simply bricks and clicks, but they had a static non um, transactional website. Um, or they could have had a, a transactional, but either way, they pretty much stopped. So you need to go where your your customer is and you, you, you need to engage uh, with them. Um, that's, you know, if you were to really look and, and, and boil everything down, there, there are plenty of other things, obviously, you know, like you need to make sure that you've got um, uh, complete visibility of your inventory. So your inventory management needs you because that drives the supply chain, because you should expect more online, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, you know, you should be looking at not delivery next day or the next 48 hours, but same day or same hour, you know, uh, really start using this as an opportunity for accelerated innovation. And again, that's a word that's been used for years and you, know, you have to innovate this and that and so on and so forth. Well, you know, now is really the time to, to <laughs> yeah. do that. You know, don't, you know, stop talking about it. And I think the, the the last thing that I would say on that at the moment would be, again, and this is from my experience of working within retail and working with retailers, um, and it's a little bit of a hobby horse of mine, and that is, Stop all this tendering process. Think about your business and what you're bringing through in a, in a different way. You know, I've seen tenders that are 12 months. I've been involved in tenders that went on for nearly two years. Um, and frankly, but even back then, the world changed within six months. The world is changing within, you know, six days almost at, uh, at the moment. So in other words, the message is you've got to be really agile and fleet of foot. And again, you know, we know that that's, uh, that's people talk about an awful lot, but it really does apply now. You can't go out for, you know, anything that you're procuring and say, well, we've got to go to three or four or in six uh, and tender for it, and we've got to go through our due process to show due diligence for our, our reasons of uh, internal governance and so on and so forth. Because by the time you've done all that, uh, you could well have gone out of business. Yeah. And as you said, the tech will have moved on and your needs will have moved on. And Absolutely. I'd like, I like all those points you made, but I think for me, the bit which maybe I'm biased because I spend most of my time in the e-commerce world rather than the BRICS world, but it does strike me that those companies who had the right tech in place that enabled them to know where all their stock is, that enabled them to kind of farm out their customer services to the store staff who had no one no one to serve, but they could deal with the online live chats, they could deal with the online calls because they know the product, and that could then kind of almost redeploy their manpower from offline to online because they had the right tech in place and they could dispatch from store and do click and collect and and all these great things are the ones who will have done better through through this. One, because they could take sales, but also because they could look after the customer better and the customer will remember that and will continue buying from them. And I think if I was in a retailer who didn't have that right now, I would be out there shopping fast for the tech to put it in place. Yeah, Because once it's there, you have... You have the visibility, you have the flexibility, and you can you can shift that manpower and those costs around. So it's, I would love to be owning a tech company right now who does an integrated POS and web system because I suspect they're getting lots of knocks on the door. <laughs> but um, but Andrew, is there anything which has 
really surprised you about how consumer behavior shifted and what that's meant for retail this year, which, you know, even if you'd have been sat there between Christmas and New Year last year going, what's my predictions for the decade? Well, if a pandemic happens, I reckon this might happen. Is there something which has completely surprised you? Um, I think probably the trend uh, towards certain things. So um, before this, you and I were chatting, and and I know this isn't something you go to a shop, you go online to purchase, but it's quite a good example. You said that down in your neck of the woods in Cornwall, the, the price of houses has gone through the pardon the pun, yeah. gone through the roof. But um, but but that for me is an indication of what is happening across the country. So during the uh, the lockdown in the summer, uh, everybody was going out and buying barbecues and trampolines and goodness knows what else. And we know that, um, I think from John Lewis, they were saying that um, bread makers and uh, so I even, I, I thought, right, I'm going to get myself a, a far better uh, coffee machine because I'm at home all the time working. So I'll do that. And, um, and uh, so I think that it, it's this trend. And again, um, maybe not so much now, but um, a very good business to be in during the summer was um, uh, either hire or selling motorhomes because people weren't going away on holidays. So they were going, you know, getting a motorhome and driving somewhere. But yeah, I think it's that different. Uh, and and the, it's almost like the law of um, uh, unintended consequences. You know, you don't, you know, one thing leads to another. And, and, you, and because as human beings, we're, we're very adaptable. Um, you know, we, we, we try to find ways to, we're, we're ingenious and we try to find ways to invent things and get around things and uh, so on and so forth. So I think that we're going to see as we approach Christmas, we're going to see more of, uh, of that. And, and just at one point on, uh, if I may, on, on Christmas, I think it's going to be a fascinating one. And for me, it's going to be binary. And by that, I mean, it's either going to be incredibly good for some people or it's going to be incredibly uh, just awful. We know that, uh, sadly, more and more people will be made redundant. So disposable income is going to be, you know, people are going to really have to um, pull in their uh, family budgets and, and so forth. On the other hand, there are going to be people who are in a, a different position and they're going to say, well, actually, 2020 has been, you know, pretty poor as a year. Uh, I don't think I want to remember 2020. So I'm going to treat myself and, and my family, and I'm going to splash out, and I'm going to. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that, um, uh, and, and maybe towards Christmas, we're going to see the luxury sector um, have a, a bit of, of a revival. Um, perhaps people can say, "Well, no, actually, I'm going to. You know, we're going to splash out on some jewellery or a, a nice watch or whatever, or a handbag, whatever it is that you know uh, we we like because." Well, we deserve it. You know, we've made a lot of sacrifices. We can't see any end to all of this. Uh, we need to cheer ourselves up. We can't go away on holiday. Um, I think, uh, yeah, behaviour, there are going to be some uh, fortunate people who are going to really splash out, but for a lot, probably the majority, this is going to be a Christmas to really tighten our belts. It's a fascinating one, that whole consumer spending ability angle, because we've got rising unemployment, we've got end of furlough schemes and support schemes happening around the world. And so we've got people who've got less money and who are dealing with this rebalancing and redistribution of the labour labor market. But at the same time, we've also got people who have been completely financially unaffected in terms of their income and 
who haven't spent as much because they couldn't go on holiday. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. They're no longer commuting and spending all the money on their commute. They're no longer having to eat, at, you know, they're no longer eating at cafes five days a week, which makes a huge difference to their disposable income. So it's, you know, people say the recession's coming and it's all going to be bad, but it's like, yes, but there's a whole sector of, of the society. You've actually got more disposable income compared to those who haven't. And yes, that, that certainly is going to create this bizarre situation this Christmas. How, how do you think, really, this is a really tough question now, um, how do you think that whole recession piece is going to play out in 2021? Do you think it's going to have, you know, kind of make much difference to the issues we're seeing now? Are we going to see a down in overall retail spend? Yes, I think we are. But I also think that we're going to see uh, more inventiveness and more innovation from retailers. So, um, you know, shout out to Morrison's who introduced their Christmas box for a family of four for £50, which includes all you need for your Christmas lunch. Great idea. I think we'll see uh, more of that, uh, but just in, in different scenarios. So I, I think that... Um, uh, retailers are going to, you know, I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to get down to, I guess, grocery and fashion. We all need to eat and we all need to put clothes uh, on our backs. We need to have our Zoom gear or, or what have you. And so retailers will know that people have got um, less disposable. You know, it's only going to get tougher. Uh, we know that um, the measures, um, such as furlough and um, government grants and loans and so forth. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be different flavours of, of that, but it all seems uh, at the moment to be diluting down a little bit. Um, and then, of course, we've got the um, frankly ridiculous notion that uh, we should all retrain. I don't know about you, uh, as an aside, I, I had a look the other day at the Government Web Skills Assessment um, website. And if anybody's looking, uh, listening in and uh, hasn't looked at it yet, um, don't waste your time. Um, it, I mean, I think it's it suggested that I should retrain as a horse trainer. Um, wow, that's quite niche. That's quite niche. Um, there were a few others there as well, but... Um, you know, it didn't bother to establish that actually me and horses don't go together. You know, it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, the, at a distance only. Um, for anyone who's is listening from overseas, this is a fascinating site that the UK government has put together to help those of us who no longer have a job work out what to retrain in. And it's it's kept social media busy for about the last 10 days since it went live with some phenomenally ridiculous marketing tactics and ridiculous answers. Um, <laughs> so if you fancy a giggle, anyone from overseas, go and have a go as well, because it, it's quite, quite ludicrous. Uh, yeah, there was a, yeah, a story of a 57-year-old lady who was, uh, it was recommended that she retrain as a professional boxer. So there you go. But, you know, getting back to, to your question, I think, yeah, that... Um, uh, there is going to be less uh, because people simply aren't going to be earning as much. So it, it's you know it, it's not rocket science. This if people aren't earning as much, they're not going to be spending as much. Um, working from home, I think, is quite interesting. It's kind of what I call the we're seeing what I call the Pret effect uh, that we're working from home far more. So maybe I'll spend and I do it myself from time to time, not every day, obviously, but maybe once a week, I will go out to the local high street and I'll find somewhere and I'll eat. I'll have my lunch break 
you know, uh, eating out, just simply to have a change of scenery, get some fresh air, uh, and, and get out of the of the home office. So my spend there is going to be with my on my local high street. So my spend has uh, has changed, and I think that we're going to see more of that, which actually should, I hope, have a positive impact on local high streets. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Customer experience when shopping online is crucial and it doesn't stop at the checkout. Smart Freight plugged into your e-commerce platform allows your customers to take the driving seat when it comes to selecting a shipping service. And branded tracking communications keep your customers informed of their order's journey all the way through to receiving their parcel. Visit smartfreight.com to book a demo today. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, Andrew, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So are you ready for the top tips? Go for it. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Well, uh, I thought of that. I mean, I know, um, uh, I'm fortunate to know a lot of people uh, in retail uh, and, and um, uh, most of them have written books and I could have plugged uh, one, one of those and there's some great ones, uh, there's some great ones out there. But the one in my mind that I feel that I keep coming back to is um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I think it's a fantastic book. It's a great read. And one of the key things in there, uh, I mean, it does talk about, um, you know, it builds itself as how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. That's the kind of leader on on the front page of it. But one of the things in there that he talks about is um, understand your brand and what it means and what's your story. Um, and he uses Apple as an example of that. You know, Apple are a computer and phone company, but people don't think of them like that. And this is the point that uh, Cynic makes in, in his book when he talks about understanding your why. Why, and this, and this really does apply to uh, retailers and to brands. Why are you in business? What is your story? And if you and your fellow board members and actually everybody in your organization are not able to articulate that in a clear and consistent manner, you need to revisit it. And that's why he uses Apple as a very good example uh, of, uh, of that. So I would say, yeah, if, um, uh, if you take a Friday off, you want to read a book and you can do it in a Friday, it's, a, it's an easy read. Um, yeah, I would go with that. I'll start with why. Excellent. A great book recommendation. Okay. Um, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Well, I've got, uh, in, in answer to that, I've got something that I call the five E's 
if if I may, because for me that kind of covers it. So um, five E's. First one, engage. In other words, engage your audience and keep on engaging with them. Now it sounds very easy, but a lot of people, as I was saying earlier on this podcast, you know. Um, you know, if they're having to close their physical uh, door, that they're not doing it. You need to always, particularly now, you need to be engaging with the audience. The second is to excite them, inspire them. And my goodness, we need that now, don't we? You know, we, and, and that applies both to online and bricks and clicks. Um, uh, really excite with new innovation, different product, different ways of doing it, so on and so forth. Just, you know, just, you know this thinking outside of the box mentality um, is, uh, is really needed. Um, encourage them. Um, encourage them to transact. Encourage them to come to your online or offline store. So use social media. Um, communicate with uh, with people and, and encourage them all the time because, again, it's probably too easy for us not to just at the moment because we're all pretty fatigued and tired and so forth. Um, and kind of in uh, hand in hand with that, enthuse. Enthuse about your product and your offering um, because if you don't, then nobody else is going to. Uh, you know, this is your, uh, and again, um, there is one of the reasons why I say that is that is getting more and more difficult to do. Um, I was listening to a, a London radio station uh, just before uh, coming on to this podcast, and they interviewed somebody who's a restaurateur uh, in central London, which is going to go uh, at the time of recording this, going into. Um, tier two lockdown so you can you can't mix with other households and he really really sounded despondent and i understand that fully so i think now it's a time more than ever to enthuse about what you've got to offer and we know that, that that's changing and finally uh, again kind of maybe a, a, another way of doing that to be energetic really put some enthusiasm and, and um, uh, energy into and and by that i really mean see everything as an opportunity you know, don't look at this. It's that old thing, isn't it? Don't you know your cups are full or it's half empty? D don't see this as a threat. See it as an opportunity. And we know we've seen examples of uh, hospitality, uh, in particular, um, that that have pivoted uh, during this when they haven't been able to sell as they normally would. Well, you know that 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 mode of thinking needs to run right um, through the industry. I love that. Engage, excite, encourage, enthuse, and be energetic. Very cool. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? There's kind of two things I'd, I'd say to that. Uh, one, again, it's the one I, I use, and I'm using it every day, and that's Zoom. Other ways of um, video conferencing are available, as we know. Um, but, you know, use that wisely. I mean, I don't know about you, Chloe, but I've been on uh, more than I care to mention Zoom calls uh, of, you know, that, that are two hours or more. And by the end of it, I'm like drained, you know, and, and you think, what? An so I think hand in hand with that, I, uh, I would say uh, keep your walking shoes uh, nearby and, and just get out, get some fresh air. I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I live um, you know, on the, on, right on the edge of uh, some lovely countryside in, in Sussex, and so I can get out. And I'm finding that I do that more and more, if only for 10 or 20 minutes. 
but just to have it a bit like that, you know, going into town to to sit down and have have uh, have lunch, just get a um, you know a change of scenery. There's definitely a Zoom strategy. You can't just think any meeting you would do in the real world you can do via Zoom. They have to be approached differently. And if it's God, if it's going to last two hours, it's got to be two. Can't be one. Can't all be in one meeting. That's enough to kill anybody. I know. Well, uh, it, it's quite interesting, is it? The kind of the the um, uh, some of the you know what we're going to look back on the, on the the sounds and the phrases of 2020. It's going to be Andrew, you're on mute. Or yeah. you know, we can't hear you. We can see you, but we can't hear you. Or and we all uh, we all wave, don't we? Yeah. We we wave when we're on a Zoom or a Teams or whatever it happens to be. We wouldn't do that when we walk into a meeting room normally. We wouldn't wave to people <laughs> before we sat down. I mean, it's quite. But I suppose it's it's our um, it's kind of our, our subconscious way of connecting with people because we can't shake their hand. Or if it's somebody that we know very well, we can't we can't kiss them or, or, or what you know whatever interaction physical interaction it would be. I guess we wave because it's kind of like it's a nice thing to do. But um, yeah, those, those would be um, Zoom walking shoes and, and maybe um, uh, a little bit of alcohol. Cool. Okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business or their retail business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? I've kind of touched on this, I think, when I was talking about the uh, the book, Know Your Brand, Know Your Story. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to say go out and buy this particular tool or, you know, this um, uh, e-commerce platform is better than the other. No, it's it's, it's nothing to do with that at all. Um, it, it's really, you know, what is your brand? What does it stand for? What are your values? Uh, and then uh, very closely aligned to that, what's your story? Why are you in business? If you don't know, your customers for sure aren't going to know. And if they don't know or they are confused, which let's face it, they pretty much are at the moment anyway, because, um, you know, this applies perhaps more to bricks and clicks, but to, with, with um, online, you know, certainly, they're, they're, you know, people are confused and they're not sure what's going, going to happen. They can't plan. So you need to help them try to do that. So I'd say that, yeah, know your brand, know your story. Excellent advice. Well, look, Andrew, before we say goodbye, could you um, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? And I believe you started a new business this year that's quite relevant to some of our listeners too. Yes. Yeah, so um, the business that I, that, I, that I set up primarily was um, Retail Reflections, as you said in the introduction, and you can find that at all the w's.retail-reflections.co.uk. Um, so you know, we we talk and uh, huh, we we did before all this speak. You know, at, at conferences around the world on all sorts of aspects of uh, of retail, uh, and you can also find that uh, you can find me at Andrew Busby on Twitter and Retail Reflections at Retail Reflect on uh, on Twitter. We're also on on LinkedIn. I launched the the new company. Um, we had a soft launch actually last month, so it's very new. A company called Safe Prem Solutions. And what we are in a nutshell is um, the world's first independent uh, directory portal of COVID secure solutions. So we've curated all the best of breed from around the world uh, and we're building that directory. Uh, We've got a number of partners at the moment. And these are not people who clean premises or provide PPE or anything like that because we feel that that's fine 
and it has its place. But that's still, and this is very much the the direction we're taking with these lockdowns. It's very much reactionary um, steps, and and it's uh, curtailing people's people's movement. It's restricting. It's reactionary and restricting. What we're trying to do with this for retailers is to allow them uh, to provide really premises which are as safe as they possibly can be. So with some proactive preventative measures. Uh, so just one example of that uh, would be we have a partnership with a company in Holland called Airfixer, and they use they developed a solution where it uh, is constantly uh, cleaning the air. It's cleansing the air within an environment. So if you imagine within a, a shop or a restaurant or a pub, this is constantly cleaning the air of all the viruses and bacteria which are in the air. And, it, and it's providing air which is three times cleaner than we would normally have before all of this started. So it's something that we're really excited about. It's taking up the majority of my time. We are focusing uh, on retail because myself and my uh, fellow uh, co-founder are both from uh, a retail background. And and we really are passionate about retail, so that that's the logical place where it would start. But it applies to to all sectors. Nice. And where can people find that if they want more information? The website is www.safeprem.com, uh, or if they want to contact me there, it's um, info at safeprem.com. And that's PREM short for premises, isn't it? P-R-E-M. P-R-E-M, yes. Safe PREM, all one word. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with that new venture, Andrew. I think it's it's a very interesting angle and I suspect you've, you've jumped on it at just the right moment. Uh, so thank you so much for all you've shared today, all your tips and ideas and and that great insight. And I think our crystal balls are a little less murky. So um, So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So fascinating kind of look at how difficult, I guess, it is to predict what's going to happen over the next, uh, you know, 12, 24 months. There's so many different angles that we talked about there, how people are buying different things. Some people are running out of, you know, don't have money to spend anymore. Others have more money than they used to have to spend. And, the you know, the impacts of the work from home and people starting to buy online, which people seem to be continuing to do. And of course, things are constantly changing in each country, in each state, in each region of the world. So I think there's going to be certainly more turbulence to come. I think the the points that Andrew is making around the need to be have the right digital structure in place um, so as you can make those changes and you can adapt. It will be the innovative businesses that continue, those who adapt, those who who listen to their customers, just as he was saying, know your brand, know your story and connect with your customers. If you want um, more data, we didn't get into much of the data, but if you want the data on how all of this has affected consumers, what they're thinking, how retailers are responding, then you need to get your hands on the report we mentioned, which is called How We'll Shop Winners and Losers, which goes into who's going to survive and who's not from a business perspective. And that's been produced by Bright Pearl. And if you head to the show notes for this episode, then you'll find the link through to that. And you can also find it on their website. So you will find the notes from today's show, including the link to that report, 
how we'll shop winners and losers and the top tips and everything else we've mentioned at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. Um, and we've also added there a link to Andrew's book. Um, so if you're wanting um, to get a little bit more, a little bit more of Andrew's thoughts on the world of retail, it's a brilliant book. Um, so go and uh, you'll find out details of that on the show notes page too. So that's ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things that I share because I share a lot of kind of free resources, reports, data, tips and ideas in our regular newsletter. So you'll get those too if you're on our email list. So thank you so much for tuning in to this and all the episodes of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope we've helped you a little bit get your thoughts in place for next year, the things which are coming, the trends that we're seeing. And I, I bring you this interview as I do every interview every week because I want to inspire and help as many e-commerce business owners as possible to succeed and thrive with their business. So please do tell the e- other e-commerce business owners you know, those who are trying to work out what to do next year, because I'd love this podcast to be able to help them too. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.